Hello everybody, welcome back to the Insightful Thinkers Podcast. Today we are doing another movie analysis, uh, Moonlight. Barry Jenkins' 2016 film and one of the best films I've ever seen. Um, if you guys have seen it, you may think so too because this is widely recognized as one of the best films of the 21st century and it is a uh it's won many awards it's it's the golden globe award winner for best motion picture drama and it's it won the academy award for best picture that was the year when uh there was the confusion with la la land when they thought la la land had won which is an uh, equally incredible movie but um this movie i think did deserve it because of how incredibly um deep it really is on emotional and uh philosophical uh levels it's just such a powerful movie in so many ways it uh it it really is just one of the best i've ever seen and uh one of the deepest movies i've ever seen for all of you guys who enjoy the deeper movies and enjoy to analyze and break down these things then i hope uh this will be uh, an interesting uh, podcast episode to listen to um so we can discuss kind of what I picked out and maybe you guys will have similar thoughts too. Uh, obviously this will have a spoiler alert. We're doing in-depth analysis here at uh, Insightful Thinkers Media. So um, we're going to, we're not just going to glance over it. We're going to really go uh, into a lot of uh, plot details. So please watch the movie before listening or watching, uh, listening to or watching this episode. So Moonlight, it, it's a coming of age story that follows a gay black boy as he grows up in the Miami ghetto. And coming of age story, what is that? So it, a coming of age story, it focuses on the growth of a protagonist from youth to adulthood. So this movie is told in three parts. Uh, part one is, uh, his name is Chiron, but part one is, he's called Little, part two is Chiron, part three is Black. So he kind of embodies different personas as he grows up. And this is why it's this coming of age story. And in some, I wrote this, this little kind of just a paragraph to describe what, what this movie is talking about. And this will kind of similar to the way we did it too long, didn't listen for Tupimpa Butterfly. If you see the length of this podcast episode and it's too long for you and you don't want to listen, uh, this will actually be good enough to uh, center you to understand kind of what the movie was about in general. So uh, Barry Jenkins 2016 film Moonlight illustrates the challenges of being oneself in the face of negative societal influence. In the face of pressures to conform to stereotypes, to portray oneself in a way that is acceptable to others, or simply to survive in a strenuous environment, it can become nearly impossible to remain unbound from society's shackles of expectation. Because societal influence can force someone to suppress who they are, this person can become molded into someone who is unrecognizable to others and even to themselves. When moments of freedom do arise for these people, it can be like standing under the moonlight by the ocean. While their skin reflects a blue tint, they look different to others, but at the same time feel free as the one who stands without a care under the moonlight. Paradoxically, it is in the most vulnerable state of judgment from others for being oneself when a person feels the most profound sense of freedom. This is what this this is what came across to me in this movie at least, and um it's just such a powerful message and how the story was told really um 
it really conveys this message in an incredible way in the cinematography and and just in the dialogue and so many aspects and that's what makes a best picture film it needs to have a lot of different aspects to make it uh, the best movie of the year uh, at the oscars um, or the academy awards so um the main theme in this movie is kind of what what i just discussed here so it's the difficulty of being yourself while being shaped by negative societal influence that's what um, really came across in this movie. And it, this was experienced by three characters, uh, Chiron, the main character, uh, Juan, the drug dealer who kind of mentors Chiron as he's little, as he's a kid, and Kevin, uh, Chiron's best friend since they were little kids. Uh, so they all experience some kind of a negative societal influence in different ways that kind of molds them into being someone they're not, um, or at least gives them uh, some kind of a conflict with with who they really are compared to what society uh, influences them to be so in part one juan who is the neighborhood kingpin drug dealer who i mentioned takes chiron uh, under his wing he 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 takes chiron under his wing after he sees chiron being chased by bullies and in one of his conversations with Chiron, he introduces this idea of choosing your own identity and your own destiny versus conforming to societal norms. So Juan says, I was a wild little shorty just like you, man, running with no shoes on in the moonlight. Then this old lady said, in the moonlight, black boys look blue. So that's what I'm going to call you, blue. And Chiron says, so you call yourself blue? And Juan says, nah, at some point you got to decide who you're going to be. You can't let anyone make that decision for you. So Juan is kind of introducing this idea to Chiron as a little kid that um, just because you're looked at a certain way, just because that blue tint comes off your face in the moonlight to others doesn't mean you have to fit uh, other people's every expectation and label. Um, although Juan provides this advice to Chiron, who is little at this stage in the movie and is just a little kid, we see how difficult it is for Chiron to actually follow this instruction and resist being shaped by society's expectation and and to really show who he is. And he ends up taking on this persona, um, this little kid who's been bullied and who is gay and who um, faces a, a lot of abuse and has a difficult household. He ends up becoming this hard drug dealer in the end and puts on this persona with chains and, and and gold teeth and a nice car and things like this and he ends up being shaped by society's expectations even though juan kind of already said hey eventually you got to figure out who you're gonna be and and it's not to say that at the end of the movie it's too late for um for chiron to figure that out and and may and the end of the movie we'll talk about how maybe it does illustrate that chiron will finally come to grips with who he really is but throughout his life and throughout the movie he doesn't follow juan's advice of choosing who he's gonna be and um so juan how does he experience the um this conflict between society uh, society's pressures and who he really is well he experiences a lot of conflict and cognitive dissonance um of this good guy drug dealer who um so a conflict between societal influence that kind of uh maybe made him into this drug dealer because of uh his bad neighborhood and his upbringing and and um 
maybe pressures that he maybe he needed to deal drugs to survive versus his true empathetic caring personality so despite um, him trying to help and mentor Chiron uh, while feeding him and giving him a place to stay he gets he gets reprimanded by Chiron's mother because in the end even though you're still helping my son you're still selling drugs to me so Chiron's mom says you're gonna keep selling me rocks like uh, cocaine rocks I'm getting it from you but you're gonna raise my son right that's what Chiron's mom his Chiron's drug addicted mom says to Juan and, and later um, we also have a conversation between Chiron and Juan Chiron says to Juan do you sell drugs Juan says yeah Chiron says my mom, she does drugs, right? Juan says, yeah. And Chiron leaves the house in sadness because he, he kind of realizes that his mentor, who is um, maybe trying to help him, still is the one who's hurting his mother. And as a little kid, he doesn't really understand this duality of personalities kind of that Juan can... Um, he can st he can still take the words of advice from Juan even though he does some negative things... Um, on the side so Chiron can't separate that and he can't separate um his 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 mother's pain and he he essentially can't um he no longer can use Juan as a mentor because he just completely associates Juan with pain now because Juan causes his mother to be associated with drugs and addicted to drugs and then uh it hurts Chiron so he it's very difficult for Sharon as a little kid, and, and Juan knows that. And as Sharon leaves the house, it shows Juan just um, in extreme sadness because he knows, man, like, I really want to be a good mentor to this, this little kid, but how can I do that if I'm, if I'm selling drugs to his very mother? Um, it, it just causes such a great conflict for Juan. And perhaps his circumstances have played a role in pushing him to deal drugs to make a living, and although he has these kind and empathetic traits, his behavior of selling drugs to the mother of the very child he is trying to help, it totally conflicts with these positive traits, unfortunately. And this is a, this is a cognitive dissonance. This is a common idea in psychology, commonly cited idea in psychology. And it's basically a disconnect between thoughts and behaviors. So, for instance, an example of cognitive dissonance would be you smoke like regularly despite knowing that there's a high chance you'll develop lung cancer so you do the behavior of smoking even though your cognition or your thought knows you probably are going to get lung cancer that's complete cognitive dissonance so here we see that in juan we see the conflict of being yourself um while while being in a compared to being uh what a society makes you out to be so it causes juan this inner conflict as he tries to be a mentor uh for a young boy while selling drugs so he 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 really has a disconnect between his internal feelings of care for the boy between his behavior of being a drug dealer and this is that societal influence that maybe uh played a role in making him a drug dealer versus um, who he really is this caring person who maybe just wants to help kids grow up in a good environment now let's talk about Chiron who throughout the movie goes through the transition phase as a little little kid and Chiron as a teenager and then black as an adult as a hardened um, drug dealing adult and so Chiron how did he experience this similar thing to Juan of of being himself versus being shaped by society. Well, let's start with a little bit of kind of plot things. Um, 
that were introduced early in the movie. So as little or as Chiron in his early and then teenage years, he was severely bullied for being gay from a very, very early age. Um, his mother also tells him uh, things like, yeah, you need to find a place to stay in, in times when she's going to be doing drugs and having a man over that night. And she also steals his pocket money to buy drugs. She pressures Chiron into giving up any dollars he has in his pocket just so she can buy drugs. Uh, Chiron has to sleep at the train station some nights and he spends other nights uh, at the house of Juan and his girlfriend, Teresa. Um, and after Juan dies, Teresa still remains this mother figure to him and feeds him and things like this. Um, he's going through severe pain as a kid. On a couple occasions early in life, there are parts in the movie where Chiron can seemingly hardly process what people are saying to him. So this is shown by uh, lip movements and speech sounds being out of sync in the movie. So they'll be talking. Um, if you're watching on, on YouTube, it would be like, I'm talking right now, but the audio is playing back like uh, a couple seconds off or a couple seconds in advance or a couple seconds behind. Um, and from Sharon's perspective, this kind of uh, came across to me as if he he his mind is in almost such a haze from all these difficult uh, events in his life and things like this that his own and his own thoughts rest so heavily upon him that it makes it difficult for him to even understand what people are saying. Um, uh, everything becomes um, it's like some kind of a depersonalization or things become uh, unreal to him. Almost, he's in a very severe haze from the difficult experiences he's had as, as so early in life um and the the one positive thing that actually happens to him uh or seemingly positive in the moment is he has his uh first sexual experience with his best friend kevin as a teenager and um but i mean i say seemingly positive because immediately after this experience kevin actually ends up betraying chiron um after being pressured by bullies to beat him up so after this chiron finally snaps at all the bullying uh, and all all these things he's faced and he he hits the bully over uh, the head with a chair and is sent to juvenile hall and after this we pick back up um on Sharon's story when he becomes black so um Chiron has now become this tough guy, this drug dealer. He's the muscular, the rugged, the the fly, drug dealing kingpin now. He he even has a crown on the dash of his car, just like um the crown that Juan had on his car. Um he even drives the almost the almost exact same car as Juan. So he has picked up some things from his environment but he hasn't picked up those positive messages from juan he's picked up the drug dealing image uh, consciously or, or subconsciously and he ends up being just like juan in all the wrong ways unfortunately um because of his environment and all the pain and all the things that have led up to this his license plate even says black 305 on it even though he never liked when kevin called him the name black in high school so he's almost embodying these labels that other people have given him um rather than um following his own personality he embodies this name black this strong hardcore guy and he embodies the drug dealer image of juan rather than uh the positive messages that juan was trying to tell him of be yourself don't just be what others make you to be he chose unfortunately chiron or black now chooses to be black and 
instead of being who he really is. And he got all mixed up along the way, it seems. So Juan's message, it didn't quite come through for Black. Um, the message that at some point you got to decide who you're going to be. You can't let anyone make that decision for you. Um, unfortunately, though, we see now that uh, Black has allowed society to, to decide who he is rather than deciding for himself. Um, Black even shows another parallel with, with Juan. He, he holds hatred for his mother just like Juan did. Uh, when Black was a kid, Juan said that I hated my mom too. Um, and this is yet another parallel with Juan showing how, how he was shaped by others rather than choosing who he wanted to be. Um, so he, he kind of ends up hating his mom just like Juan did. And he is almost parallel to the, to Juan in all the wrong ways. And his, his, uh, he t uses this role model in kind of all the, all the negative ways. He ends up hating his mom. He ends up being a drug dealer rather than just being himself, like Juan was trying to tell him. Um, eventually though, Black does make peace with his mother. Uh, but even in this scene, we see more of this theme of, of choosing who you will, uh, be rather than allowing life experiences to dictate who you become. His mom says to him when they finally make up, when, when Black is a, when Chiron is a man and is now, uh, goes by Black, um, he says, his mom says, your heart, your heart ain't gotta be Black like mine. You ain't gotta love me, but you gotta know that I love you. So his mom is essentially saying to him, you don't have to be Black like the world made you. Um, so Chiron ended up kind of growing into this name that he hated that he was given and his heart, his heart also kind of became black. So just like he was given the name black, he almost, when he didn't want to be, he almost throughout his life, he ended up embodying this black character, um, through almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. A self-fulfilling prophecy is essentially when an individual's experiences, um, or excuse me, when an individual's expectations eventually result in them acting in ways that confirm the expectations. So with what society imposed on him or what Kevin, Kevin imposed this name black on him early on, and he didn't embody that, but then he eventually grows just into, uh, becoming becoming black just because of the expectations that have been imposed on him. Um, so that's very interesting what has happened now to, to Chiron. And he grew into what his experiences made him rather than he truly was. He's just this shy, he's this sensitive, he's this timid person. Um, and, and he didn't, he did not remain this way. He became the total opposite. He almost became so strong physically so as to compensate for all the times that people made him feel weak. And this overcompensation idea is almost like a, a sub-theme within the theme of being shaped by society uh, rather than choosing your own destiny. So those who were once called weak, for instance, try to become the strongest. It's something of a rebound effect almost. So you can literally see this as Chiron works out in the movie. You see him pumping iron and the the sounds of his mother's voicemail play in his head. He thinks of this call from his mother telling him to come over because she hasn't seen him in a while. But at this point, he hasn't made up with his mother. He's still feeling that hatred and resentment for his mother as he, as he lifts to become stronger. So this pain of his upbringing makes him go even harder in the gym. He almost uses all of his negative experiences and his mother's neglect of him as fuel. Um, and this is almost like a common thread in real life too. And great move. Great movies do this. They kind of reveal aspects of real life through storytelling. So they kind of 
reveal these things that are sometimes implicit in real life. And we often gloss over these, these, uh, ever-present things in daily life like overcompensation and things like this um but the movie reveals how clear this is and it, it reminds you that oh these things are real and it even can influence um possibly personality change and a new analysis into who you are and who other people are and how experiences shape people and it real good movies illustrate relatable things to real life and an example in real life i can think of is david goggins i don't know if any of my listeners know of him um, but maybe some of my listen some of the listeners to this podcast uh listen to other podcasts and joe rogan experiences the biggest podcast in the world and goggins has been on there a few times so there i guess there's a chance that um you guys have heard of him david goggins he is just this um he's like an extreme uh endurance athlete uh he held the world uh pull-up record he did like thousands of push-ups he was there for like i believe it was like a couple days straight he can run over 200 miles he was doing extreme marathons every weekend at a certain point he's a navy seal but he had a very difficult upbringing an abusive upbringing and he was bullied and he was uh in a in a terrible terrible place and he says that he uses this pain as fuel so this extremely hardened mind state sometimes comes from the um, most pain may, and maybe that is where ambition comes from, from pain and from not having things to, um, doing whatever you can to have those things or not just materially, but, um, and almost like psychologically and, and to be someone after all these people told you, you weren't anything. So this is kind of what this movie is illustrating. All the times when people put Chiron down and told and bullied him and all these things, it turned him into almost a monster in a way, a very hardcore person who's totally different than that person who was bullied as a kid. And he really kind of overcompensates for this. And, uh, and it's very interesting how this movie shows this, this kind of, this theme, uh, this theme in here, how this kind of sub theme of overcompensation within this more general theme of, um, being shaped by society how did society make you overcompensate rather than you just being who you wanted to be from the start um and this overcompensation from insecurity it also is shown with with kevin the teenage kevin so the teenage kevin when he was talking to chiron in high school in the hallway or whatever he detailed uh, having sex with a girl to make a so clear to Chiron that he wasn't gay at all he was kind of bragging about his his sexual encounter with a girl so as to not reveal to Chiron that he was gay. Um, now let's go back to this, this meetup of, uh, Kevin and, and Black near the end of the movie where, um, they discuss kind of how they've gotten to where they are. Kevin works in a, in a diner and Chiron is this hard drug dealing guy and Kevin comments on Black's drug dealing, um, and on what he's become. So Kevin says, who are you, Chiron? Them fronts, that car, that ain't you. And Black says, I'm me. You don't know me. When I got to Atlanta, I started from the ground up, built myself up, built myself hard. He says, I'm me. If you actually watch the movie, in the way he says, I'm me, he says it in such a matter of fact way, almost as if he hardly really knows who me is, or at least doesn't even really know how to describe who me is. He basically, he hardly knows himself deep down because of all the ways life has determined what he should be rather than him choosing who he wants to be. 
he just says, I'm me. And who is that you, though? Is that really you? Or did that you be, become from all the ways society was, was, was pressuring you to become a certain way? And Kevin knows what Chiron is like inside because he's known him as a little kid. He knows he's just shy to him in person, um, possibly caring person. And Kevin knows that this persona uh, Black now puts on is only a persona and it's not actually him. Um, this this idea of a persona, where does this come from? Well, uh, what I know it best from is Carl Jung, who is a uh, famous psychologist. He was uh, under the tutelage, well, not under the tutelage, but he was more of a colleague of Freud. He was greatly influenced by Freud. And he has this archetype of the persona. The persona is like your public self, whereas yourself is the more harmonized, unifying agent of, of the psyche, who you really are. So, According to Carl Jung, I guess in this case, uh, black would black is like a persona of Chiron. Chiron is the self, and black is like this persona Chiron puts out, and it's not really who he is. And when he says, "I'm me, I'm black," it is you in a way, but that's just your persona. It's not who you are deep down. Um, now we've we've discussed how Juan was faced this conflict between being himself versus what society. Uh, made him to be and how how Chiron had that experience as well. Kevin also has this experience as well. Kevin is Chiron's best friend from an early age. And he tells, uh, as I mentioned, Chiron about getting detention for being caught having sex with a girl in the stairwell. He says, they caught me with this trick in the stairway. So Kevin, what's happening here, he's overcompensating to Chiron so as not to expose his secret that he's gay. So here he chooses to conform to these societal pressures of being straight heterosexual black male rather than being open about who he truly is to Chiron. And Kevin in the movie, he has some kind of a passive yearning to escape from these societal pressures. You can feel it. And the encounter, the sexual encounter that Kevin and Chiron had on the beach, uh, Kevin, while he smokes with Chiron uh, on the on the beach, and they feel the breeze, and they feel free, they're under the moonlight. We'll discuss what the moonlight means in a second as well. That'll be the final thing. But they're under the moonlight, they're feeling free. Um, and he, he says, man, that breeze feels good as hell, man. Sometimes around the way where we live, you can catch that same breeze. It comes through the hood, and it's just like everything stops for a second because everyone just wants to feel it. Um, and he, he he says he also so just this idea that he he wants to feel this freedom. He's been so suppressed by what society wants from him, and um, he wears so many different hats, and he he can't really expose. Uh, who he is. He's seen Chiron get bullied for being gay, so he remains closeted. And this breeze he talks about, he kind of just has the idea that, man, sometimes like I just, I just want to, it feels so good sometimes, man, just to feel free for once. He also has a discussion with Chiron. He says, what do you cry about, Chiron? Do you cry? Chiron says, I cry so much sometimes. I think one day I'm just going to turn into drops. And Kevin says, then you just could roll out into the water, right? Roll out into the water like everyone else trying to drown out all their sorrows. It just sounds like something you want to do. So Kevin in the movie speaks in an interesting way. So when he says it sounds like something you want to do, what he seems to actually be saying is it seems like something I want to do. As a closeted gay person, he 
he is he finds it hard to express how he is really feeling in in a lot of different ways and he kind of imposes this idea of it sounds like something you want to do on chiron but you can tell by the way he says it in the movie it feels like something he wants to do just roll it into the water and drown out all his sorrows and be free so kevin really resonates with chiron and even though he's speaking uh in terms of the way chiron feels you can tell he also yearns to feel like he's going to escape from his own sorrow um he talks kind of as i mentioned passively rather than communicating to chiron that this is the way he actually feels and earlier in the movie the reason i I, i'm thinking in this way about it is because earlier in the movie he also kind of showed this similar pattern of saying things very passively even though he may really be the one who's feeling it. He says to Chiron in high school, he says, after he tells him about the experience he had with the girl, he says, I know you can keep a secret dog. Um, and after telling him this, they, Kevin stops and he stares at Chiron for a second, almost, it, almost as if he's trying to say that he's keeping a secret too, that he's gay. And there's a there's a moment, a beautiful moment in the movie where they pause for a second and Chiron kind of stops up and they look at each other. And who knows what's going through their mind. Initially, I thought it might be, oh, maybe Kevin know, uh, kind of knows that Sharon is keeping the secret of being gay. But everyone already knows Sharon is gay. So I think the idea there was that I know when he said, I know you can keep your secret dog. And he stopped up. It had something to do with how Kevin is keeping a secret, too. And he is kind of speaking in such a passive way because he so as to not um, expose who he truly is inside. Um, now, we'll talk about also uh, the sexual experience he had with Chiron, how he conforms to societal expectations rather than be himself. So they had such a meaningful encounter there on the beach while feeling free under the moonlight. But after Kevin drops him off, he says he just acts like if he feels nothing for Sharon again. He says, I'll see you around, Black. He even goes back to the nickname that Sharon hates so much, and that's just not something you expect with someone from someone who uh, cares for you. And he, so he's really suppressing his feelings as if going back to being what society expects of him rather than how he truly wants to be, someone who has genuine feelings for Sharon. And these feelings are suppressed until years later when they're adults. Um, when, when Kevin finally calls Sharon years later. And another way Kevin conforms to what other, others pressure him into being is when he, he actually ends up beating Sharon, beating him up due to peer pressure. Um, the, the bully Terrell, he kind of, he used to hang out with Kevin back in the day and he says, Oh, Kevin, man, you used to always beat someone up whenever we would say so or whenever, uh, we called for something to happen, you would do it. No one's like that now. If I give you a name, would you would you still beat him up? And he's like, yeah, man, I can, I'm still hard. I can do it. And he says, beat up Chiron. And uh, instead of obviously not doing this because of the care he has for Chiron, he, he decides to beat up Chiron man, and, and conform to the bully's uh, pressures upon him. And Chiron keeps getting back up over and over as if to say, you're really going to betray me like that? Because the rule of... The name of the, this game, this beating up game, was you beat them up till they stay down. And uh, Sharon kept getting up and kept getting up as if to say, you're really going to betray me like that? This is a very emotional point in the movie. 
and uh, definitely brought tears to my eyes the first time watching it. And um, he says he kind of is getting up and he looks directly at him. And the cinematography is so incredibly crafted. And it's almost like after the night we had, you're really going to do that. You're really going to let others dictate the way you feel about me. And um, it's just such a heartbreaking moment while conveying uh, th this conflict between Kevin being who he wants to be versus being who others pressured him into being. And when talking to Chiron years later, though, Kevin shows that he, he finally did end up learning Juan's lesson of being himself rather than being who others make him. So Kevin, when they're talking at uh, the diner Kevin works at, he's, he's telling Black, Black now, he says, I never really did anything I wanted to do. All I could do is what folks thought I should be doing. Was never really myself. Now I got little Kev, who is his son. I got this job, man. I'm tired as hell right now, and I ain't making more than shoe money, but I got no worries, man. So Kevin now, finally now is doing what he loves, and he's cooking uh, at this diner, even though he's making just pennies. And um, this love of cooking is demonstrated in an incredible montage where um, he makes a special meal for his long-lost friend. And it's not so fancy. He uses kind of a bowl to make the rice look good, and he sprinkles something on there. But it's a great montage showing... Kevin seems to be at a better state now where he's finally being himself and he's cooking for um for this man who maybe he still has feelings for and he's finally starting to express himself not like what he was before where he was totally doing the opposite of expressing himself he was suppressing his feelings for Sharon and actually ended up beating him up which is the total opposite of that um so Kevin finally does seemingly reach this place where he's being himself rather than what society wants him to be even though we see that black is not quite at that point yet and maybe he's far from it and the end of the movie kevin and and black are are kind of caressing each other and comforting each other and uh, uh well kevin is more comforting black maybe to signify that kevin is at a maybe a greater state of I guess you could say enlightenment of accepting himself, whereas Black is still far from that, and Black doesn't really know who he is, and he got lost somewhere along the way. Let's talk about the meaning of the moonlight. Um, so the moonlight was initially mentioned by Juan, where he said Black boys under the moonlight look blue, or he told the story of the old lady who uh, telling him that when he was a kid. Chiron also is under the moonlight, during, and Kevin are under the moonlight during their first homosexual experience. Um, and kids are shown playing in the moonlight right after Chiron makes up with his mom. And finally, at the end of the movie, as he lays with Kevin uh, as adults and he's comforted by him, the movie cuts back to Chiron as a kid when he was little under the moonlight by the beach. Um, really incredibly beautiful cinematography as well in that case. Um, but what is the meaning of this moonlight? So kind of as I, I mentioned in that, the preamble the the kind of introductory paragraph of the, um, that i that i read out um for the, at the start of the podcast well just the idea that when it's you under the moonlight feeling the breeze of the beach that's when you're you it doesn't matter the glare that comes off of you to make you look a certain way to others so the moonlight black boys look blue it creates some kind of a blue tint off their skin but maybe that doesn't matter uh the tint that comes off your skin it's when you're most vulnerable, and that's when you are yourself. So that's why it, the scene cut to the moonlight when um, 
the scene when Kevin and Sharon were laying together and they were very vulnerable and it cuts to this scene of uh, Chiron in the moonlight as a kid because they're in such a vulnerable circumstance but it doesn't matter what others uh, see them as even though they yeah they are different and they do look different they're at their most vulnerable but that's when they feel the most perhaps free because they're finally being themselves so as Black lays down in this most vulnerable state he, after telling Kevin he's not had an intimate experience since the day at the beach when they were in high school, that's when he's in his most vulnerable and pure state. So just like this child who's completely free facing the ocean, even though the ocean is filled with the unknown and he's so vulnerable and people see the blue tin off his face, he looks different, he's different than everybody else, that's when he's free. And that that's what this moon, the moonlight, every time the moonlight shows up in this movie, it has something to do with this vulnerable state, but also a free state at the same time. So it doesn't matter the glare that comes off of him when he's laying down with Kevin that make him, that could make him look different to others. That's when he's truly free of society's expectations and stereotypes. Um, and that is, I think, this beautiful moonlight idea that Barry Jenkins was trying to convey. And, and, um, uh, also Terrell Alvin McCraney, who, who co-wrote the script. And the movie's actually based on the play by him. Um, but this is really what this, this moonlight is. It's a really beautiful idea, I think. Or at least that, this is, uh, how it came off to me. If you guys have any other ideas, please share those with me. Um, but when this idea came off to me, this resonated with me, and, and that's why I'm communicating this this today. Um, I'm just trying to refine my place here. Um, well, oh yeah, the other the other moments where there was the moonlight. So obviously there was the moonlight when uh, Chiron and Kevin were together in their sexual experience. When um, again, to others they may be judged. The blue tint comes off their skin, but you look at them as two gay people and a lot of people would judge that in a negative way but that's when they were truly free and they had such a pure experience again kids were shown playing in the moonlight right after chiron made up with his mom so in this case it kind of represents that freedom as well the weight lifted off black's shoulders when uh there's some kind of a sense of purity and freedom once he's once he's able to make up with his mom and release the resentment that he's had for so many years um this final scene in the movie, it's such a incredibly beautiful scene when they're holding each other. And then it cuts back to little, little Chiron in the moonlight. And you wonder what Kevin and Chiron are thinking. And it, it it's almost like something of a butterfly effect happened. And maybe that's what they're thinking about when um, it, the butterfly effect that, well, Kevin, he chose to conform and beat up Chiron rather than show his, show his true feelings for him. And then this caused Chiron to retaliate. Then Chiron got sent to juvenile hall. And then in the criminal justice system, he eventually met someone who put him onto drug dealing. And then he spiraled into someone totally different from who he initially was. So as they're holding each other there um, and, and comforting each other, it almost looks like they're thinking of how different our lives could have been without uh if we actually were who who we wanted to be from the start how different it could have been and how different our experiences uh, could have been and it's such a a beautiful heartfelt sad moment because they've lived so long not really knowing who they are and going to the wrong places and kevin mentions that he i believe he was on probation. Yeah, he was on probation and they went down the wrong track and it's almost as if they wonder what would have happened if we 
just where ourselves from the start and and how all the ways that society shaped us in a negative way if we could have broken free of that and it's just you just there's so many ideas they could have had running through their mind and um another amazing fact of this movie it it makes so many things run through your mind and you're thinking what could they be thinking and it's up for interpretation because there's no the movie ends right there it doesn't really tell you um <laughs> whether they recovered whether they ended up having a relationship whether what happened but it is almost more of a sad ending because we don't know how they're going to recover from where they are now at this very difficult state um now this is kind of what i was mentioning at the start and i'll reread a, a, a portion of what i wrote at the start and and told you guys at the start so when moments of freedom do arise for people under the moonlight uh it can be like standing under the moonlight by the ocean while their skin reflects a blue tint they look different to others but at the same time free as the ones who stands without a care under the moonlight paradoxically it is in the most vulnerable state of judgment from others for being oneself when a person feels the most profound sense of freedom so um, in that vulnerable state when they hold each other and Chiron is this um, this big uh, uh, <laughs> this big guy who, who works out this tough guy but now he's just being hugged by Kevin it's in this vulnerable state when he is he is truly him and um, there was also one more thing I wanted to mention um, when he Chiron there was a moment in the movie when um, when when Kevin when Kevin had called Chiron and he, he called Chiron to meet up and Chiron goes to meet Kevin, uh, in his adult life as black. He, when he walks into the restaurant, he shows that he still has these tendencies of, um, the shyness and perhaps some insecurity. And even though he has all these chains and the gold teeth, as soon as he walks into the restaurant and he sees other people, he puts his hands in his pockets and he, he looks down to the ground and you can see that this persona, this was more of the persona thing I wanted to talk about. Um, despite this persona of being a tough guy, he still has who he truly is inside. And this is why he's maybe so confused about who me is when he tells Kevin I'm me, because he, he thinks he's black, black 305, and he's this tough guy, but maybe he doesn't, he's not really in tune with that more vulnerable side. Um, so despite this overcompensation to look tough, he still has this shyness and this lingering insecurity. Um, the persona, the way he portrays himself with his grills, chains, and fancy cars does not actually match who he really is. And um, it's such a, diff a challenging thing to not be shaped by society. And everyone is shaped by society a little bit, or well, a lot, I guess you could say, because... Um, that really dictates kind of who you're going to become, what the options are. Are you in a po uh, an overtly positive environment? Are you in more of a negative environment? Do you have opportunities there for you? Do you have good role models? Do you not have good role models? And so many fact parenting and so many factors in your life shape you into being who you are. And after all of that, and especially when it's negative, how hard can it be to really stay in tune with who you were from the start that's really what i got out of this movie and i hope you guys had some ideas about the movie as well and that's why we're doing insightful thinkers media and insightful thinkers podcast it's to stimulate thought to stimulate discussion and um i hope i stimulated some thoughts in 
in you guys if you're listening or watching um but thank you for listening and watching episode 13 the lucky 13 or unlucky it is a monday so not friday the 13th so that's good but uh yeah this is uh another monday of dropping i can't remember if it's the third or the fourth in a row but uh, i'm liking the schedule i'm liking uh to get my week started off right this one's a bit later in the day usually monday morning but uh, it's okay still got it got it done on monday and we will be back next monday again for something totally new i don't know a hundred percent what it will be but i have an idea so stick stick with me for that if you like this episode you guys please share it i've been saying with at least one person who would be interested in this analysis if they like moonlight or if they just like film analysis uh please share share the link with them uh if you like this episode as well or if you like in-depth analysis into a lot of topics you can subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening on so whether it's spotify apple Podcasts, youtube or anywhere else um, if you're on apple Podcasts, it allows you to leave a star rating or a review and if you're on youtube please choose to like or dislike the video if you are not satisfied with the analysis um if you want to join the monthly ITP video conference call as well, you can support the podcast on Patreon. But in the end, you guys, whatever you do, even just listening and watching is is more than enough, you guys. And um, this podcast is not for anything other than to, uh, as a creative outlet, and to uh, stimulate thoughts and ideas in others, and to create conversations or even if it's just internal dialogue in your own head while you're watching um i just love sharing ideas i love this medium to share ideas of po through podcasting it's really uh proven to be a great medium for me personally to get my ideas out some people man everyone is so creative everyone has their own creative ways and everyone has to get their mind state out in a different way some through writing poetry i do a little bit of poetry some of that is on is on the uh is on the website you can check those out whenever but um i th i think this is the best medium for me to analyze topics and break down topics and uh yeah everyone has a, has a different way of communicating some people even communicate art artistic nature through uh for instance like um like physical things like dancing or you could do it through some people do it through song everyone has a different way to communicate their thoughts and everyone's minds are so complex and i've very much enjoyed having this outlet to be able to uh, communicate some of my thoughts that that uh that i want to get out and share with you guys and i hope you guys some of you guys have been sharing your thoughts with me so thank you for that and uh, we'll keep the train rolling and eventually more and more people will uh, be be uh, tuned in to share their thoughts and we can have some dialogue back and forth so thank you guys for listening to the insightful thinkers podcast everybody uh, so happy to be doing this uh this this is probably my favorite episode yet just because <laughs> oh my gosh just because um the complexity, how emotional the movie was, the soundtrack. We didn't even talk about a lot of, I mentioned the cinematography, but that could be an entirely episode onto itself. Barry Jenkins, incredible movie, incredible direction here. Incredible acting too, I didn't even mention. Um, Chiron's mother. Here, let me, uh, I have to get her name here because she, she played like the, the, uh, drug addicted mother. Um, 
and you could like you didn't there was no sense that it was even acting at all like it wasn't until the end of the movie where i was like wait what does she actually look like in real life what is she actually like in real life um uh, moonlight cast um naomi harris shout out to naomi harris mahershala ali also won he was the first muslim to win an oscar ever for this movie for uh supporting actor i don't know all the exact role but it was a major award he got uh incredible acting it was the first movie with an all-black cast to win an oscar i believe as well so many great things about this movie i'm looking at a 98 percent on rotten tomatoes 99 percent on metacritic <laughs> Oh my gosh, I love this movie so much. I almost don't want to stop talking about it. You guys, thank you for listening in. Um, I think I've, I've, I've discussed it the way I wanted to. I always want to do these topics justice. Definitely this one too, because I might never touch on this again. And it, uh, it almost makes me sad never to be able to touch on it again. But thank you guys for listening and, uh, <laughs> listening into my, my end of episode spiels as well, which I always seem to have. Uh, but thank you for tuning in, everyone again for the millionth time for the insightful thinkers podcast we'll be back next monday morning for more in-depth analysis and do diverse set of topics take care everybody